no matter how great or many the dangers may be, yet God always has ways to deliver his. This is a quote coming to you from the Geneva Bible footnotes. In this broadcast, we are continuing our new series based on the theme, Nearer My God to Thee. In this podcast, we will use as our main text, Psalm 3, 8, which says, Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Thy blessing is upon thy people. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. Now, in this one statement, much is found in few words. What it's saying here is that salvation in the fullest extent of it is of the Lord. It pertains to God alone to save. David had no expectation of saving himself. He had no confidence in the ability of his own arm. If he was to be saved, he felt that it was to be only by God. And this is something that concerns us, which we are daily fighting against, because our opponents would try to say that salvation belongs to the free will of man or to man's will. No, the Bible tells us that salvation from beginning to end belongs to the Lord, to the Most High God. It is God alone that saves and blesses. Salvation and blessing are in his hands. To him alone, it belongs to save or to destroy. He has the power to save, be the danger ever so great. It is his prerogative to save when all other helps fail. And all that have the Lord for their God are sure of salvation. Now let me ask you today, do you have the Lord for your God? Well, then you should be sure that no matter what you're facing today, you should be sure of salvation coming your way. All deliverances of the saints out of troubles are from him. Salvation belongeth unto the Lord. This is found in Psalm 3.8, but it's also found in Psalm 37.39, which says, But the salvation of the righteous is of the Lord. It's talking about the deliverance of every kind, every circumstance, situation you face, deliverance of every kind is of the Lord. It shall certainly come to you because you are the righteous. Your righteousness is that which is found through faith in Christ Jesus and what he did on the cross. Salvation comes to the righteous from the Lord. When the wicked are cut off, the righteous shall be safe. And then we also find this concept in Jeremiah 3, 23, which says, Truly in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills and from the multitude of mountains. Truly in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. 
Now, if you notice, both statements started with the word truly. The first part, Jeremiah said, truly in vain is salvation hoped for from the hills. What he was talking about there was uh, in the hills is where people worshipped idols. So he's saying it's in vain that you hope for salvation to come from your idols. Truly, that's a, a true statement. It's a true fact. And then he went on to say, truly in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. This is true. This is a true statement. This is the truth. That salvation is only in our God. It's not found in idols. Okay, so throughout the Bible, we see salvation illustrated. And we're going to use the rest of this message to uh, examine or look at six illustrations of salvation. The horn of salvation, helmet of salvation, rock of salvation, strength of my salvation, cup of salvation, and wells of salvation. So number one, the horn of salvation. In Psalm 18.2, David said, The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation and my high tower. Then we go over to Luke 1.69 in the New Testament, and we see uh, Zacharias, John the Baptist's father is prophesying, and this is what he said, and has raised up an horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. The horn of salvation. The horn among the Hebrews was a symbol of power. It was a symbol of strength, and we get that from the horned animals. That horn was where their strength lied. The strength was lying in the horn. It was a symbol of power, a symbol of strength, and a means of active defense. Now, because of that, salvation is connected with the horn. This horn of salvation, it means that Jesus is the horn of salvation. Zacharias alluded to that. This strong or mighty redeemer was able to save. He is the glorious and mighty savior against which no foe, no power can stand. Jehovah was David's horn of salvation. Christ Jesus is our horn of salvation. And he's the one that pushes back, that scatters, that destroys our enemies and saves us. He subdues our enemies. He's the one that we run to for protection and defense in all danger. He is the horn of our salvation. And then we also see in the Bible, this is taken from the Jewish altar. On each of the horns of the altar, these horns, there were four of them. They were an eminence or small projection that was called a horn. People would run to the altar and cling to the horns of the altar. What it meant was that persons would uh, might flee for safety when they were in danger. 
and they would flee to that altar, hang on to the horns of the altar, and be safe. And so we see that Jesus, our Redeemer, was called the horn of salvation, and those who flee to him are safe. The second illustration is the helmet of salvation. We see this in Isaiah 59, 17. It says, For he put on righteousness as a breastplate and an helmet of salvation upon his head. And he put on the garments of vengeance for clothing and was clad with zeal as a cloak. Then we go to the New Testament and we find the Apostle Paul saying these words, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Okay, going first to Isaiah 59, For he put on the helmet of salvation upon his head. Now salvation would be the helmet here. So it's a piece of defensive armor for the head. It's made of iron or brass, and it's usually surmounted by a crest of hair. It was designed to guard the head from any stroke of a sword. And Isaiah is referring to Christ Jesus here. He's saying in future days, he will put on the helmet of salvation to avenge his people by punishing their enemies. The salvation that he will work out for his people is going to be very conspicuous. It'll be seen by all just as that helmet on the head and he will have all the glory of it. He will put on a helmet of salvation upon his head. Then in Ephesians 6, 17, Paul said, and take the helmet of salvation. What it's referring here is the hope of salvation. That helmet is the hope of salvation. And this hope of salvation, hope of seeing the salvation of the Lord with you, it preserves you in the day of spiritual conflict. It guards you from the blows which the enemy would strike. This was a cap, as we said, mentioned uh, before. This was a cap for the defense of the head. It was made of thick leather or brass fitted to the head, and it was usually crowned with a plume, a crest, or an ornament. And what it did was it guarded the head from a blow by a sword, a war club, or a battle axe. Now that helmet, the literal helmet, defended the head, but the hope of salvation, this defends the soul, and it keeps it from the blows of the enemy. It is so important that you have on, you take on the helmet of salvation. This is your hope of salvation. No matter what you face, what attacks come against you, what conflict you're facing, you must have the hope of salvation that God is going to see you through. You, he has said he'll give you the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. He calls you more than a conqueror, and you will come out victorious 
in the end. You have to have that hope of salvation. And this will keep you from the blows, the lies of the enemy. The soldier cannot fight well without the hope of victory. You have to see that there's victory at the end for you. The Christian cannot contend with foes without the hope of final salvation. You are coming out and you're going to come out victoriously. That's the helmet of salvation. Okay, number three, we look at the rock of salvation. And in Psalm 95, 1, which I believe Moses wrote this, he said, Oh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Now, this rock of our salvation, this is a frequent title for God as the unvarying strength and support of his people. This rock of our salvation represents the strength of our salvation, the firm basis of our hope, the certainty of salvation, the strong ground of our confidence. God, we know this through the Bible, throughout the Bible we see it, he is our abiding, immutable, and mighty rock. And in him we find deliverance and safety. And the ministries of the rock remind us of, of these things. Shade, the rock gives us shade. He's the shadow of a great rock in a weary land. The rock gives us defense. Thou art my rock and my fortress. The rock gives us strength. Thou hast set my feet upon a rock. And the rock gives us supply. He smote the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. With honey out of the rock should I have satisfied thee. Our rock of salvation is Christ Jesus. And as the rock for height, he is higher than the saints. He's higher than all the leaders of the earth. He's higher than the angels in heaven. He is higher than any situation, circumstance, conflict, strife you are facing right now. He is higher as the rock. He's also uh, the rock for your strength. He's the mighty God and Savior, and he's the rock for your shelter. He's your security from the wrath to come. Then we look at the fourth one, strength of my salvation. This coincides with the rock. Psalm 140, verse 7. David said, O God, the Lord, the strength of my salvation, thou hast covered my head in the day of battle. O God, the Lord. Here, David is addressing this to Yahweh as God, the supreme ruler who presides over all things. And he calls him he addresses him as the strength of my salvation. You are the strength of my salvation. You're the solid strength on which I ground my hopes of salvation. I hope I expect salvation because you are the strength of my salvation. You're my strong savior, my salvation itself. You're the very strength of salvation. 
And David said this because he had no other hope of deliverance but in God, by whose unrivaled force he had been enabled to outlive the cunning and cruelty of his adversaries. And then number five, we come to the cup of salvation. David said in Psalm 116, 13, he said, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. David said, I will take the cup of salvation and call upon the name of the Lord. It's as though the Lord is a master of a feast and he wants to hand this cup to everyone, to everyone, to each and every one of us. And he's saying, accept my salvation. He has designed salvation for each one of us. And David said, I will take the cup of salvation. Let me ask you today, have you taken of the cup of salvation that God is offering you through his son, Jesus Christ, and what he did on the cross? It's God is offering it to you today. I will take the cup of salvation. The cup often uh, times is used by the Hebrews to denote plenty or abundance. So we're talking about abundance of salvation, abundance of happiness. It's a cup of thanksgiving for the great salvation, this great salvation for God's saving mercies. It's a cup of thanksgiving, a cup of deliverances. It's a sacrifice of thanksgiving, a cup by which your sense of the greatness of salvation is expressed. And then we go to, lastly to number six, the wells of salvation. Now with the cup, you take of the cup of salvation, but now with the wells, you partake of them. God offers you a cup and you take it. But once you take of the cup of salvation, then now he offers you wells of salvation, and you are to partake of the wells. Isaiah 12, 3 says, Therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Those wells of salvation, salvation right here is pictured as a well. It's an emblem of that which produces joy and refreshment. It sustains and cheers you. It supports and refreshes your soul. And it sustains you when you're sinking from exhaustion or it refreshes you when you're weary and fainting. Salvation is like a well and from it comes living waters. Now it's not like a man-made cistern. This is all man uh, could offer you. Vain is the help of man. All he can offer you is a cistern that holds a limited quantity and it's apt to fail in the hour of need. But God offers you well, uh, not just a well, the wells of salvation. And God's promises are his wells. His promises are his wells. In them, the Savior and salvation are made known to you and made over to you. His promises. 
And your duty by faith is to draw water out of those wells, to take to yourself the benefit, the comfort that is treasured up for you and them. And like the well water, salvation is ever fresh, it's ever free, it's ever health-giving, it's restoring, rejuvenating, requickening. It offers you healing for the sick, strength for the disabled, and life for all those who are dead in trespasses and sins. And not only are the promises of God the uh, found in those wells, but uh, the graces of God as well are the wells. So abundant, the graces, all the graces of God, you may receive them in as great plenty as waters out of a fountain that is full. God has so much in his great salvation for you today. Now in closing, I ask you this question, which of these illustrations of salvation speaks to you today? Do you need the horn of salvation, whereby God, by his power, pushes back, scatters, subdues, or destroys your enemies and their devices against you? Do you need God to come forth with his horn, with his power, with his great strength, and push back the devil away from you and your family today? Or you, do you need the helmet of salvation, which guards your mind from the blows of the enemy and gives you hope of seeing salvation? It uh, drives away all depression, discouragement, hopelessness, and lets you see, gives you that hope of salvation that God's bringing you out of this that you're facing today. Do you need the rock of salvation? giving you strength to stand and withstand the evil coming against you. Do you uh, look to the Lord? Are you looking to the Lord as the strength of your salvation on which you ground your hopes of seeing the salvation of the Lord? Or are, are you being uh, swept away by waves, the waves or the winds? Uh, of all kinds of winds coming against you, lies coming against you? Or are you looking to Jesus as the strength of your salvation today? Have you taken God's cup of salvation? Have you partaken it? Are you saved today? And then in turn, have you offered him a sacrifice of thanksgiving for all his past saving mercies? And lastly, have you been to any of God's wells of salvation today? Have you been to the well today, drinking of the living water which produces joy and refreshment for your weary and fainting soul? Do you need joy today? The joy of the Lord is your strength. Do you need joy today? Then go to God's wells and drink and drink so you can drink no more. Our time is up for today's broadcast, but I encourage you, stay tuned for our next teaching 
as we continue our study of the theme, Nearer My God to Thee. This is Connie Giordano with Walking in Truth Ministry, praying that you will walk in the truth every day of your life. In Jesus' name, amen.